The Oklahoma Sooners were big, big winners in the 2022-2023 transfer portal. We'll discuss that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode of Locked On Sooners is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, the transfer portal first phase is finished, complete. We're getting evaluations of how all that has gone for several teams across the country. And ESPN claims, evaluates, grades Oklahoma as one of the winners of the first period of the transfer portal. I don't know how you could look at this and look nationally and say Oklahoma wasn't a winner out of the transfer portal. I mean, what would we say, John, is the serious loss that Oklahoma has had on its roster to the transfer portal? David Aguebu, maybe? That's like right. the most impactful loss. And, you know, Nick Evers, right? I mean, we'll see down the road what kind of quarterback he turns into. But you've signed Jackson Arnold, so you've got comfort there. Uh, be- beyond that, you know, an Alton Tarber, okay, We'll see, right? So you haven't had the Caleb Williams loss, the Mario Williams loss that you had a year ago out of the transfer portal. If we're just looking at it and being fair and objective, yeah, that's a Heisman Trophy winner that Oklahoma lost at the quarterback position out of the transfer portal last season. So then what did you bring in? Well, we're going to see how all of this plays out. John, I think Oklahoma got a star in Deshaun McCullough. And I don't think that's being, you know, I don't think that's getting too far out in front of our skis. I don't think that's being hyperbolic. Uh, I don't think that's being too greedy. I think Oklahoma got one of the best players out of the transfer portal defensively in Deshaun McCullough. I love what they've, they've added offensively. When you think about Austin Stogner and the offensive line help that, oh, you, to me, late, the Walter Rouse flip was huge for Oklahoma. Schaefer, okay, that's going to be a nice little addition, I think, up front along the offensive line. And we'll see about Andrell Anthony. That, I mean, he might wind up being one of Oklahoma's top pass catchers. Time remains uh, – well, time will tell on that. It remains to be seen on that. So I love the the portal ads that they've had, John. That doesn't even get into a bunch of the edge uh, – the other edge rushers that they brought in. So I don't know how you could, again, look at the national landscape and not have OU as one of your national winners. They've got to be. Well, I think if you just look at what went wrong for Oklahoma in a lot of ways in the 2022 season, we'll start with pass rush. Pass rush was at times non-existent for this team. The it was up and down. Reggie Grimes had a great first, you know, few games of the year. Ethan Downs had a really solid, you know, finish to the year, but it was so roller coaster ride-ish that you couldn't depend on it week to week. You didn't know what you were going to get out of it week to week. And in all fairness, I mean, they did lose Nick Bonito and Isaiah Thomas and Perron Winfrey 
three really, really good pass rushers. I, I think I'd, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, how last year's Alamo Bowl win, the spring game, gave us this indication that the pass rush would be just fine. It wasn't. Oklahoma went into the transfer portal to address that with Deshaun McCullough, Rondo Bothroyd, Davin Sears, Trace Ford, Jacob Lacey to a lesser extent. They went and they added defensive line help, defensive front help, and then a guy like Deshaun McCullough, who could be an edge rusher. He could be your cheetah. I, I would like to see him as an edge just because of the athleticism and the speed that he has that he brings to the table. I think he could be an elite edge. But all of a sudden now with it seems like you know Reggie Grimes and Marcus Tripling coming back, Ethan Downs obviously coming back, R. Mason Thomas coming back, Trace Ford entering the picture, Ronald Bothroyd entering the picture. You've got a really deep room of edge talent, guys like Bothroyd with some product, a lot of production in his career at Wake Forest. Trace Ford had a productive first couple years at Oklahoma State before getting injured. You've got a really interesting group of guys to work with. So throwing Deshaun McCullough out at Cheetah doesn't really kill you as much because you've got a really nice kind of core. If you include R. Mason Thomas, Adepoju, Adabare, guys that are going to be able to have an impact. R. Mason is now going to be a sophomore. Adepoju, Adabare, he'll be a fr- true freshman. But I think a lot of people are thinking he could break into the two deep early on in his career just b- based on his traits. So they went and attacked one area specifically that was really, really weak for them. Another area they had to attack, just based on losing three of your starting offensive linemen, you mentioned it, Walter Rouse, Caleb Schaefer, like the offensive line additions, they were crucial for them. They had to do something in the, in the portal. You got guys with a lot of experience, maybe haven't reached their ceiling just yet, maybe still have a lot of good football out in front of them, get them with Bill Beanbow, with Jerry Schmidt, increase their game, increase their strength, Potentially they can have breakout seasons for the Sooners this year. I like the addition of Andrew Anthony. I'm not sure where he'll land in the wide receiver pecking order just yet because you've got a ton of guys, as we've talked about on the show, got a ton of guys that could figure into that wide receiver two competition opposite of Jilla Farouk in addition to Drake Stoops playing in the slot. So you got like five or six guys that you feel like, okay, any one of these guys would step up and be our wide receiver two. We'll see how it all kind of transpires and who rises to the top. But yeah, the, the transfer portal additions, the Reggie Spe- or Reggie Pearson's addition was also fantastic. Uh, Reggie Pearson, not Pearson's, Reggie Pearson addition was fantastic. Uh, just a lot going on. I think the one area, and they may be addressing it soon, the one area they haven't addressed that I'd like them to is adding a little bit veteran linebacker help. Uh, you know, you got Danny Setsman coming back. You've got a really nice core of young linebackers that you want to develop three from the 2022 class, three from the 2023 class, but they're young linebackers that haven't played a lot of college football yet. So you want to have a little bit of veteran experience there as a safety net in case they're not quite ready. If I asked you, John, how many sacks Oklahoma had a season ago versus this season, what would be, and and I'm sorry to put you on the spot on this. This was not rehearsed, everybody. If you had to say what you think it was a year ago versus now, what what ballpark would you be in? The difference like between the two. The difference between the two. So I'm going to guess that Oklahoma had like 18 sacks. And the year before, probably 30 or a little bit more than 30. So they did have a little bit more than 30. In 2021, they had 33 sacks. 
And according to what I'm looking at right here from Sooner Sports, Oklahoma had 28 sacks this oh. past season. So it it, it wasn't. <laughs> I know it, it wasn't as pronounced maybe as it felt like, but it, it it got me digging on this because I was curious what those those numbers looked like because I agree with you. It felt like Oklahoma was decidedly not as good rushing the passer in 2022 as they were in 2021, John. And, you know, probably it's just that, and maybe I have these flip-flopped here, but probably it's just that Benito had eight sacks and Isaiah Thomas had seven. And I want to say the leading sack artist for Oklahoma this season, well, first of all, Danny Stutzman had three of them, okay? So he's not Mm -hmm. far off the pace. But the team leaders are Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes with four and a half, and Jalen Redmond had four. So you didn't really have that one standout sack artist this year for Oklahoma. So I, all of which is, you know, a long winded way to get back to the point of, I like the pass rushers that they've added here out of the portal, John. And hopefully, even though again, maybe in our minds, we've made this pass rushing difference from one season to the next more pronounced, I guess, than it was in actuality. I do think just a couple of these names that we're talking about mixed in with the signing class, and we've got a chance to see Oklahoma get back to what it was in 2021 and perhaps before. It really, even just outside of just the the strictly, you know, sole numbers of, hey, you had 33 sacks in 21 and 28 this season, Oklahoma needs that guy that's flirting with double-figure sacks, right? You need You need one guy like that. And then all of a sudden, everybody else ends up with, five and a half sacks, John, or six sacks or seven sacks. Well, and you're going to make me go, go into this at some point. Uh, Maybe I'll do it for our next show because I, I got, I'm into one game now. I'm looking just at the, the season opener opener against UTEP and they had six sacks in that game. I mean, again, they started the season really strong from a pass rush department. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the game by game stat sacks or sacks stats to see kind of what the progression was throughout the year, where they had their biggest impact and where they need to get better. Because I mean, yes, they led the team, the, they led the big 12 in tackles for loss. Yes. They led them in, in, in turnovers, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because they couldn't get off the field on third down. They couldn't get off the field on fourth down and they struggled in the red zone. Crucial moments. It seemed like they weren't as good as they needed to be. They, Again, couldn't get off the field, and it's a defense that gave up a lot of points. So given the fact that they had a lot of tackles for losses, they were putting teams in bad positions and still giving up a lot of first downs and a lot of third down conversions, that's not good. And you're giving up a lot of points despite you know, splash plays that generally are drive-ending plays. That's not good either. You get a tackle for loss or you get a sack for lo- a sack, that dramatically increases your odds of getting off the field on a a particular uh, possession, pardon me. The the stats play out in the NFL. I'm sure it's the, the same way in college football as well. If the offense has a negative play, whether it's a penalty, a tackle for loss, or a sack, you're they're less likely to sustain that drive into points. But for some reason, Oklahoma's stats, the numbers, didn't bear out in such a way that they were limiting teams from collecting a bunch of points, which is what they ended up doing. So they've got to be better, but I think the transfer portal additions 
are going to make them better. They're going to be a much better team defensively. We'll see if it translates to wins. Hey, we're we're so happy to have FanDuel along with us. It is the start of the well, the start of the NFL championship weekend. The NFL playoffs, they've been here, but it is NFL championship weekend. And what do what do those numbers look like over at FanDuel? Which by the way, go check them out. FanDuel.com backslash locked on. Make every moment more. San Francisco, Philadelphia. Philadelphia minus two and a half trip to the Super Bowl. I kind of like uh, I kind of like the Eagles in this thing. And then it's it's gone back and forth. I want to say Kansas City opened as a favorite, but it's currently sitting the Bengals uh minus one right now. Uh Kansas City getting one point the AFC championship game from Kansas City. Both of these games are gonna be awesome. What about some NCAA futures? You want to get get in on that? Well, right now's uh, the time to get Oklahoma at kind of a pretty pretty tasty little price out there. Let's see. Oklahoma 50 to 1 odds right now to win the national championship. I'm not saying Oklahoma's winning the national championship, but in terms of bargain shopping out there for somebody that hypothetically could have a wild TCU-esque turnaround, eh, maybe a flyer on Oklahoma 50 to 1. So new customers going over, join today to get started with a $150 bonus in free bets for you. That's guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. $150 free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Join and sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel it is uh where you can make every moment more john yeah a few more interesting odds there they got dylan gabriel at uh plus four thousand to win the heisman which is you know pretty deep pretty deep odds if you're wanting a long shot there and then for win totals the oklahoma sooners oh it only has colorado up there right now so we'll We'll get back to you on that whenever they've got all of the win totals. But if you're interested in on some Colorado uh, win total projections, they're sitting at four and a half. If you want to take that over, over at Fanduel.com. Um, sorry, I love I love Heisman watch. I love win total watch. Um, I, I just knew Oklahoma was going to hit eight and a half wins or more this past season, and they were so close, so close. All right, look. Speaking of futures, Josh, we've got some early Big Twelve projections from the people over at Athlon Sports. This is from our guy Steve Lassen or Lassan. Not sure how to pronounce that. Um, but they've got some Big 12 power rankings, uh, really early power rankings coming up. So, Josh, who – so you've looked at them. Let's just start here. Number one, Texas. Thoughts? I think it's going to be popular that, that Texas is regarded as the favorite. It feels like m- – you know, most times when people have this, well, who's the favorite in the Big 12 next season? I think it'll be Texas. You know, I, I hear that a lot. Um, obviously, you know, you've got Xavier Worthy back. That's that's big for the Longhorns. How they're going to replace, you know, the type of production they had in the backfield is going to be interesting. I mean, that's a substantial, substantial loss. Actually, a couple of losses for Texas back there. So Quinn Ewers, look, I don't know that. I mean, to me, he's definitely not the best quarterback in the big 12 conference. So in terms of favorites nationally, if you, if you tell me that today we install Texas as the, the big 12 favorite and let's just go around the horn here. Okay. 
Georgia, right, would be most people's, I guess, SEC favorite. Georgia or Alabama, right? So take your pick there. Clemson would probably be, right, people's uh, ACC favorite or Florida State. I'm guessing Michigan, Big Ten, and then Pac-12, obviously, USC. Texas is the the one out of those that I would feel the worst about to win mm-hmm. their respective league. So I guess what I'm saying is, to me, okay, Texas is number one. But uh, I think TCU, I think Oklahoma, and I think Kansas State, any one of those three could also win the Big 12. And it's not going to surprise me at all going into next season. Any, anything could happen. I really do think anything could happen this next year. I think Texas Tech is going to be a team that's going to be very much in contention until November at least. Uh, Iowa State, if they can find some semblance of an offense that isn't killing them, and killing their defense, then who knows, man, with that defense that they had this past season, if they're able to replicate that next year and get Hunter Deckers to be a little bit more efficient, a little less turnover happy, then they could potentially make a push. Uh, I'm still going to kind of wait and see on West Virginia, Kansas. I mean, they had a big come up, but are, are they ready to make the leap into Big 12 title contention? We'll see. So, I'll, And Oklahoma State kind of looks like one of those teams that's on a downward slide, but you never know. I mean, it, this is a... Oh, and then you got the the new four. I don't know if any of the new four will contend in year one, but it's going to be a really, really interesting league to, to follow. I think you're right. I mean, Texas seems to be a very popular opinion. The media have probably been waiting and just rubbing their hands, waiting for a moment like this when they can install Texas as the favorite. It, they're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of college football, in my opinion, like a team that everybody wants to be really, really good, um, but hasn't been. And when they're really good, it's really good for everybody. As far as the the media goes, TV goes, ad sales go, revenue goes, when Texas is in contention, it kind of raises everybody's eyebrows a little bit. So we'll we'll see how that goes, though. I mean, I think Quinn Ewers can still be a really, really good quarterback. I I think he had some growing pains a little bit in his first season as a starter, but he did some really, really good things at times, too. So I don't know if he's not the best quarterback, but I think he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league. And I mean, if you asked me today who I thought was going to be the favorite, I'd put it on Texas. I think they've got the most returning at the most key positions, uh, including along the offensive line. They've got some key defensive players that they've got to replace like Overshone and uh, I'm going to mess up his name. The defensive tackle Majoro Omo or uh, anyway, I'm messing it up. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, they've got some key pieces to replace on defense, but it seems like a lot of their offensive line, a lot of their defensive line is still intact. And, and you never know what Baylor, like Baylor could have a rebound season. You know, they've kind of, they were down, they were good. They were down. Are they going to be good again this year? We'll see. So it, it's anybody's league TCU from Athlon sports was number two on the list. And I, that's the one I have a harder, the hardest time with being ranked that high. You lost Max Duggan. You lost Kendra Miller. You lost Quentin Johnston. Like those were like the the key pieces to that offense, and not just from a production standpoint, but from an energy and a mentality and an edge standpoint. A lot of what you know Max Duggan and a lot of really what TCU was able to accomplish offensively was because of those three, but also just because the of the attitude. I mean, we saw it firsthand. Like this was like Max Duggan was just going to kill you. He had that killer instinct or never say die attitude. Kendra Miller definitely had that killer instinct that was just going to run through people and stiff arm people 
and you know make big plays. And then obviously we we've seen enough of Quentin Johnston to be happy to bid him farewell to the NFL. So that's the team I have a little bit harder time putting in that top two or three, just because of all the things that they've lost offensively. I don't know if Chandler Morris kind of has that same dog in him that Max Duggan did. You know what I mean? That same grit and determination to will his team to victory in the same way that Duggan did this past season. So that's kind of the questionable one for me. Oklahoma comes in at number three. Josh, do you feel like that that's fair for the Sooners at this point? I do. I mean, I think Oklahoma's on the short list to win this league next season. I do. For a couple of the reasons that we've discussed and they mentioned right here. The, the final line from Steven Lassen of Oklahoma's seven losses, five came by seven or fewer points last year. So Oklahoma was right there in 2020, 2022. So you're not that far away. They, uh, they mentioned the return of Dylan Gabriel, the one-two punch of Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk being promising at running back. Uh, some of their question marks, obviously, the, just the defense in general giving up uh, 30 points a game. They they do mention that an infusion of transfers, lineman Rondell Bothroyd, Trace Ford, Jacob Lacey, and linebacker Deshaun McCullough provide optimism for defensive improvement next fall. The other, uh, I guess, quote-unquote question mark that Athlon Sports list here is trying to restock the, the weapons at wide receiver. We've seen, again, Oklahoma go get an Andrew Anthony, and they, they signed a couple of guys in both Jaquay's Petaway and Keon Brown that one of those two, I'm, I'm calling my shot again, John, I'm calling my shot again. One of the freshman signing wide receivers will be a difference maker in 2023. I feel like I've, I've done this song and dance before with uh, Nick Anderson, with Jaden Gibson and swing and a miss, but we're going that route again. I'm with you. If, uh, if I had to power rank it, honestly, I guess Texas up top, but, uh, you know, I could make an easy argument for Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas state. Those to me are the three best, uh, TCU would be behind all three of those for me. And then you kind of get into everybody else, Texas tech. Okay. Baylor. Okay. The other thing that was interesting to me from just these rankings, John is the new members that are joining the league. The highest ranked of the new teams joining is UCF at seven. And every single one of these four, this is a, a good discussion maybe for another day. I think here's two good discussions for another day, okay? Bigger loss at running back. B. John Robinson or Deuce Vaughn? That's one of the big questions, I think, for the Big 12 next season, right, when you're thinking about Texas and K-State. And then the other thing is, which of these four new arrivals, because they've got UCF at seven, and let's see, they've got Cincinnati 11, BYU 12, Houston 13, so they don't have a ton of respect for any of the new arrivals. One of those four is probably going to be pretty good, right? So which one of those four is going to surprise? Yeah. And maybe we can go over some of my power rankings that I've been working on for uh, soonerswire.com. not published yet. So we'll tease it for another time. But uh, right now I've, I've got UCF as my number one entering team. Um, coming into uh, the Big 12. Uh, I don't have them, the rest of them, as low as Athlon Sports does, but um, yeah, UCF would be kind of my number one team coming into the league next year. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on a lot of that. I think, you know, maybe the first three or four we had the same. Um, I, I have right now, I have Oklahoma at number four just because I want to see it. 
I want to, I want to see them prove it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion when this all comes out. And one thing that's not an interesting discussion because these ladies have been just killing it for the last two years. Plus, and that's Oklahoma softball. They're the number one team in the nation, according to USA softball, the unanimous number one in their top 25 preseason poll. And eight players were mentioned in the preseason watch list for national player of the year for USA softball, eight out of 50 players. So we talked about the nine that were mentioned in the top 100 of D one softball's rankings. Well, you had eight Oklahoma Sooners, Josh, have you, I don't know if you've seen the list yet, but do you want to try and guess which eight were on the list? The eight Sooners that, that made the list. The oh, USA gosh, softball definitely... preseason national player of the year watch list. Okay, well, Jordy Ball obviously Ding. will be on that list. T.R.A. Jennings will be on that list. Uh, Jada Coleman will be on that list. Ding. Uh, Sydney Sanders will be on that list. Ding. Haley Lee will be on that list. Ding. Uh, let's see. Who else? Uh, one of the other pitchers for Oklahoma. How about Alex Storaco? Is she on that list? Ding. And I'm missing two. Who am I missing? Uh, Grace. Grace. Grace is on the list. Yeah, Grace Lyons. Ding. And who's the final? She plays catcher. Talk to me. Kinsey Hansen. Okay. All right. So you, you did all right. Seven out of eight made it on the list. Uh, you look at this team and the more I you know prepare for the 2023 softball season uh, in some of our work over at Sooners Wire, the more I'm like just flabbergasted by the amount of talent that they have. I, I think I, I wrote it was like seven or eight players with that have hit at least 14 home runs in a season each of the last couple of years and four players with a 20 home run season to their name. Last year you had Tiara Jennings, Grace Lyons, and then Sydney Sanders for Arizona state hit 21 home runs as a true freshman the year before in 2021, Kinsey Hansen had herself a 20 home run season. Well, you've got all those four together, and then you add Haley Lee, who had 14 for Texas A&M last year, Alyssa Brito, who had you know more than 14 for Oklahoma last year, and then Alina Torres, who had uh, 14 or more for Arizona State last year. So a huge, huge number of players that can just hit with power. They hit for average. Uh, they get on base. And, and you mentioned Jada Coleman, and – initially I was like, Oh man, Jada Coleman made the list. That's really cool. And then I thought about like, aside from if, if Grace Lyons didn't exist, Jada Coleman might be the best defensive player in the country, but because Grace Lyons is the two time defending big 12 defensive player of the year, national defensive player of the year, Jada Coleman's kind of having to wait her turn a little bit, but I mean, you've got arguably two of the best defensive players in the country on your team. Uh, and, and also, I mean, I don't even think we talk enough about Tiara Jennings defense because she's so good uh, at second base as well, but it's just a, a deep, deep roster. And then you talked about, you know, Alex Taraka was the pitcher that you, that kind of came to mind for you. Um, but you know, so Jordy ball, obviously just a stud in the circle, the lioness Jordy ball, and then Alex Taraka, she had 200 innings pitched 300 strikeouts for Michigan last year, which just mind boggling numbers. Um, for her last year with the Wolverines. And then we, 
I feel like sometimes I'm sleeping on Nicole May a little bit, but she was like 10th or 11th in ERA in the nation last season. And that was like, you're, you're not as good pitcher, right? Because she wasn't as good as Hope Trout one. She wasn't as good as Jordy Ball production wise or based on the numbers, but still she was one of the top 12 pitchers in the nation in earned run average. So that, that trio, that three headed monster that Oklahoma is going to be able to put in the circle, not even including the 2022 top rated pitcher, top rated player. Kirsten deal is a name you're going to want to become familiar with. Again, you may not see a whole lot of her this year, but when you do see her and she's a left-handed pitcher, so it gives her and SJ Guerin, both left-handed pitchers are going to give Patty Gasso and Jennifer Rocha some options uh, when, if they want to go lefty lefty or, you know, and, and play the matchups a little bit, they've got some options there, but anyway, eight of the top 50 on this watch list, this preseason national player of the year watch list. And I literally could think of four players from Oklahoma that have more than legitimate shots at winning it in Tiara Jennings, Grace Lyons, Jordy Ball, and Sydney Sanders. Just crazy. I know. And we've been saying this the last couple of years, but genuinely, this might be Oklahoma's best team, right? For, for the two-time defending national champions going for a 3 P, and they legitimately might have gotten incredibly, John, incredibly against all odds they might have gotten more talented. So it's just, it's nuts. And when when you mention Kirsten Deal, okay, we've got this idea and we've, you know, based on the top 50, okay, clearly it's Jordy Ball and it's Starocco and it's May. But Patty Gasso's already shown you that if a freshman's ready to hop into the circle, then and if Kirsten Deal's just better than other options, probably she's going to have a chance this year. Now, I wouldn't project that to happen. I would project Oklahoma to be, a little more patient in that regard. But that's the beautiful thing, John, is they've added these incredible transfer portal additions to what was already, already, probably without any transfer portal additions, going to be the top-ranked team. They added all of that, and then they brought these signees in. It's it's crazy, crazy what Patty Gasso and company are doing. Yeah, and they, they have the luxury of being patient. They don't need Kirsten Deal to come in and be your ace like they had to have Jordy Ball be last year. You know, they don't need SJ Guerin to come in and, and be a significant part of the pitching rotation because of what they had last year. I mean, Erickson, who's one of the better hitters in the nation, you know, she's going she might have a chance to get a lot of playing time as one of their designated players. But you don't have to have her play early if you don't want her to, or if she's not ready to but you can mix her in, throw her out there in the lineup at times and give her opportunities, you know, maybe in some games against some lesser competition, but you have that luxury. Like you're not having to play these highly rated recruits early on because you don't have to, because every, everybody else is so, so good on this roster. And, you know, there's so many really good players. It's, and what's great about it to me is the diversity of talents that they have. You know, I, I did my projected lineup over at soonerswire.com this week. And you, know, you go one through nine and you get to, you know, number, what was it? Number eight or number nine. So number nine being Riley Boone, like Riley Boone, like your second leadoff hitter. She's in, in the, in the nine hole. She had a fantastic college world series where she, you know, got on, you know, she hit, what was the numbers? I'm going to have to, I'm going to pull them up real quick for you. Um, 
They, I mean, she had like multiple hits in like four of the final six games and was, she hit 408. Um, no, sorry. She hit 500 in the final six games of the college world series last year, like an absolutely incredible run for her. And she's the number nine hitter. And it's like, Oh, she kind of gets forgotten a little bit because of the talent that they have everywhere else, but she'd be leading off for somebody on any other team in America, she'd be the leadoff hitter and she'd be a household name because of what she does on the base paths. So that's just, it's just, again, top to bottom, just so much talent. And it's going to be such a blast to watch this year. I can't wait. We are right here, ready to get going. And it should be, should be another incredible spring to summer for Oklahoma fans. Yeah, we're two Thursdays away from the opener on the Mar- in the Mark Campbell Invitational. Uh, you'll be able to watch that on Flow Sports, uh, Flow Softball, Flow Sports, something like that. Um, and you'll be able to listen to Chris Plank. Is Chris going to be on the call for that one? Oh, yeah. Away? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I don't think he, he won't be on the Flow Softball portion of it, but the radio broadcast, yeah. obviously. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll be there. So you'll be able to listen to a good friend of the show, Chris Plank, uh, on the radio side. To He'll have all the coverage and does such a great job uh, calling OU softball. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. And hit that like button as well. If you're listening to us on Apple please go leave us a five-star review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, it helps other people find out about the show. You can do the same over on Google, Spotify. You can also listen to us ad-free over on Amazon at times. So go check that out as well. Uh, But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you later. Boomer Sooner.